Welcome everyone once again to another episode of Above the Fold, powered by Brafton. You got the Baker's Dozen episode. This is number 13. As always, you have Jeff Baker, the man who loves data and numbers and charts, and Francis Ma, who loves creative, open ideas and pushing the envelope as far to the edge as humanly possible. Um, Before we jump in, uh, just a reminder, subscribe via iTunes and rate us with stars or words. We take either. Preferably if there's three uh, three stars or above. Uh, but, you know, we'll take bad reviews, too. Always open to bad reviews. Not hiding or, or, or afraid of them whatsoever. Um, Jeff, how are you? True, how are you doing today? True story. Uh, you said Baker's Dozen, and I was looking up the numbers, and it said 12, and it put us on 13. I was like, this guy can't count. And I actually had to look up <laughs> Baker's Dozen and, and realize that that was 13. Um, yeah, it's 13. That's why it's a baker's dozen. Moving a little, it's a little extra. Well, I'm getting to, you asked how I was doing. I'm moving a little bit slow today, Francis. Um, had a, <laughs> uh, had a bit of a long, uh, night. Me and my brother went out Saturday night and I'm kind of like on day two of recovery here. Last thing I remember is eating Taco Bell and watching Gladiator at three in the morning. <laughs> wait yeah was it like the beginning of gladiator or was gladiator on and you guys just happened to watch it at 3 a.m in the morning no 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 it, from what i remember i mean it's all coming back to me now but piecing yeah. everything together this was fully intentional we i think mm-hmm. had had a discussion a deep discussion while listening to some dire straits and drinking beer in the garage that we had okay. not wa- had not watched gladiator um in a long time and we were overdue so yeah, we got some Taco Bell, watched some Gladiator, and uh, fell asleep on the couch at three in the morning. I mean, that's it's a great movie of quotes alone. You know, I mean, the 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 moments and all that, whatever. I love quoting that movie. That movie's great. Um, and you're right. I actually I haven't watched it in a while. I actually own it, and I don't. I mean, I still own a bunch of like movies on DVD and Blu-ray. You never watch them. It's like the physical act of putting something into a machine and saying like play or whatever. It's it seems so like foreign, you know, you just end up like pushing what's on Netflix. If it's not on Netflix, I'm not watching it, apparently. Yeah, it, there's kind of a like a lazy factor. It almost feels like you're jumping back in time using, you know, like taking the cartridge from a Nintendo game and blowing on it and sticking it in there. It's like, well, oh, man, yeah. I've, I've moved beyond that. I don't have to do that. Alexa, <laughs> play Gladiator. And if she can't find it, exactly. that's not happening. But then it doesn't exist. If it's not online or summoned somewhere in the ah, cloud, it's like, oh, it never it never happened. It's not really more. By the, <laughs> by the way, it holds up very well over time. This movie's does it twenty years old, just like the first time. Holds up really, really well. Mm-hmm. It was great. Interestingly enough, also about the building an audience and getting to Rome. <laughs> you know, you can start in the small little like pits and whatever, but until people know who you are and you build up like a, a legendary status. No one's going to care about you. Did you just turn this like into a teachable marketing. moment? Oh, I did. God. I did, man. Gladiator <laughs> is a teachable moment. <laughs> Gross. I didn't even have to be drunk for that one. <laughs> just wait till, just wait till the uh, till the Scotch episode, whenever that happens. Mm. How much knowledge and wisdom will uh, will come piling out? Um, before we jump into, uh, um, I think it's I think it's a, before we jump into the actual show. I think it's appropriate we talk about our favorite person, Elon Musk. And what he's up to, um, he is close to finishing his hole, Jeff. Yeah, I know he's the, the hole will be open in December. <laughs> what? I, and you know what? So this is the first time, I'll be honest, the last time we talked about Elon's holes, I didn't really read up on it. I didn't really know what you were talking about. We were focusing so much more on space travel and Mars that this whole hole thing 
this I didn't even pay attention to. Now I'm realizing it's tunnels under LA that apparently, and this is off of, of a CNBC article, will whip people around at 150 miles an hour so that we don't have to deal with traffic anymore in LA. Yeah, I didn't give you enough of a context. I just said Elon is digging holes. And that's basically it, all you said. That's yeah. basically all I said. And which is very, very true. He was just digging holes. <laughs> and it, the way he described it was kind of they're like digging a hole with the idea of sending traffic through the earth because there's there's only like a we're on a 2D plane when we're traveling in our cars. There's only there's a flat plane that you can travel on. There's only, only so much space. However, if you're digging a bunch of holes and making tubes and stuff, you can stack them on top of each other indefinitely. So you can have so many different lanes of people going through the earth. And that was his idea. And they just started digging a hole in L.A. And Joe Rogan asked, like, hey, did you have to you know, get permits or, you know, uh, do anything? He's like, uh, well, yeah, there's a couple, I guess. And But we just started digging a hole. And then we stood back and looked at it and was like, yeah, cool. All right. Let's let's that's a hole. Um, <laughs> let's let's keep digging this hole. And uh, yeah, I didn't know that they were going to be uh, launching people at four G's through this hole, like you just mentioned. That's that's news to me. Yeah, I, I thought it was just like tunnels for cars. You know, that's what I really thought. I didn't think it was, it sounds like it's some sort of vehicle, but then people go into it or they can take your car onto this platform or whatever, and it can go up to 150 miles an hour. Huh. Um, I don't know, man. Big old hole in LA will add to the other holes in LA. We'll find out what this, uh, what this, what this comes to be like in on December. Apparently that's when it's going to open up to the public or at least open up for a demonstration that, um, that we can all make uh, happy, happy gifts from. Um, I can't wait. At that point, we will have convinced him to come on the podcast and talk of about course, yeah. set holes. Yeah. Another only, shout out. Only a month and a half away. Elon, <laughs> we'll see you soon, buddy. Can't wait to talk about the holes. <laughs> All right. Let's um let's, do some let's jump into our first let's let's jump into our first topic. So uh, Jeff, first one comes uh, from you. It is a news article from the register. About a Michael Arnstein or Arnstein um, going to jail for trying to get bad reviews off of the internet about his jewelry shop. <laughs> Do I have that right? You just sent this to me like 15 minutes ago. Faking uh, headline: Faking court orders to take down Google reviews is super illegal. New York City biz boss gets nine months in the clink for profound idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Jeff's reading that. Jeff is reading an article with that with that thing on. So that's that's not even Jeff's. You oh, know, no. that's that's not no. my wit. No, that's 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 a real thing. This this is actually just <laughs> just published. Um, and to give you guys a little bit of context, um, we're talking about reputation management here, and that means if somebody has posted poor reviews of you on Yelp or Google or wherever, and you engage in some sort of initiative to get rid of those reviews, um, you are basically doing reputation management. You're trying to eliminate those reviews or you're trying to get them uh, good reviews ahead of those and preserve your company or your personal reputation. So it's an old thing. We talked about it a little bit um, in search, trying to get rid of bad reviews. However, we have never discussed somebody forging <laughs> judges' signatures and sending injunctions to remove reviews uh, and getting caught for it. And he he was said, he, and he has no remorse, by the way, in doing this. This is 
called highly <laughs> illegal. Uh, they frown upon j- forging judge, uh, judges' signatures very, very highly. He says, quote unquote, no bullshit. If I could do it all over again, I would have found another court order injunction for removal of links. Probably something you find easily online. Made changes in Photoshop to show the links that I wanted removed and then sent them to removals at Google.com as a PDF showing the court order docket number, the judge's signature, but with the new links put in. Like, I just imagine him smiling, giggling like, (laughs) it worked, man. (laughs) It's like, I, I figured it out. I know exactly how to game the system. Everyone should talk to me. It's just like, dude, there are there are easier ways to manage a reputation online. This is absolutely the worst way possible. It's hilarious. I'll give him that. It is absolutely hilarious. Um, it, it, it's, it says to me that in his mind, like the internet is like the school newspaper that is the only thing <laughs> people will read. And they'll be saying like, oh man, this guy, definitely bad because this online review is legit. It's got one star, zero stars. And you know what? It just says nope. It says nope on the jewelry store. <laughs> oh, that's a callback. That's a callback to our loyal listeners. Are you saying this um, is going to be me in about three years? Is this, is this my is this my life progression? <laughs> this guy has so much audacity. He says, quote unquote, Google isn't checking this stuff. That's the bottom line because I spent 30000 effing thousand dollars nearly two effing <laughs> years ago to do what legit could have been done. He said legit. Could have been done for about <laughs> six hours of searching in Photoshop by a guy for 200 bucks in one day, all caps. <laughs> but after he got caught, he's like, he's super proud of this. He's he's flexing. He's flexing his Photoshop. <laughs> you know what? New idea. Let's find, let's, let's put out a call for someone and we'll pay them $200 to just search and, and Photoshop for six hours and see what they can come up with. <laughs> Uh, for two hundred dollars, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw it on that. I, I would like if yeah. if we could any takers out there. I would like a photoshopped Francis riding a unicorn, blowing flames, holding a sword. That's not no, that's not that novel. I'll be honest with you. I'll be surprised if it doesn't exist out there already. <laughs> you mean this has already been commissioned? I'm sure you it said has. that with a lot of certainty. <laughs> with such authority. So I mean, <laughs> um. Huge lengths to get rid of these bad, horrible online reviews about a jewelry shop. I was, we went on to the jewelry shop, by the way, trying to find it. And um, there were only like one or two uh, zero stars to one star reviews um, to, to bring this to maybe something useful. Jeff, you're a small to medium sized company and, you know, you're two, three, four years in, in exi- four years in existence. And you suddenly start getting a fair amount of negative reviews online, you know. And when you're doing the research, you're realizing, you know, some of it actually might be real. Some of it might not be, might be fake, but there's a, it's all mixed in. And it's kind of hard to tell the difference. And you are starting to realize a dip in sales and you're starting to get worried. Maybe even traffic dips a little bit. So it's like sales and like other data is starting to like do that downward slope a little bit, you know? Um, what is your advice to the small, medium sized company? You're screwed. Close up shop, change your name. That's it. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> nail in the coffin. No, uh, the best way to do it is just deal with it. Actually deal with it. So if somebody gives you a bad review, respond to that review, get on there and say, Hey, uh, can you please contact us at whatever your email is or phone yeah. number and, and talk to us. And we want to make this right. And I've done that. Like, uh, I went and bought a car in Dublin, California. And after I bought it, uh, they had told me 
there's a couple things. First off, they didn't put any gas in it, which is kind of annoying when I went to pick it up. And when I went to pick mm-hmm. it up, they said, oh, yeah, you're going to get a we, we couldn't find the spare key at first. We're going to get another one made. We're going to send it to you. And I was like, all right, these are old school salespeople, you know, um, probably not. And so I get home <laughs> and uh, I text them. No response, no response, no response. And then finally get a response back from them saying, oh, she quit. She's not here anymore. I said, OK, I don't care where she is. You find me my key. Make me my key. And they said, no, we can't do that. It's like, OK, so I absolutely lit them up on Yelp. Just blew them up. I was that guy. I was the Yelp guy that did an angry view. Um, right, Wait, I'm, did you have to create a Yelp account to do this? No, is, was your, was your account one. name like Angry Man <laughs> Car 565 or something like that? <laughs> Dissatisfied when you're car so mad, from Dublin. <laughs> yeah. You're no. so mad that you can't even think of a, of a creative no, account. No. Anyway, I, all right, I, had, all right. I had an account. I had an account. Fair enough. And uh, they, they had a new marketing person that came in. And she wrote back to me and said, hey, can you please give me a call? And she apologized for everything, brought my car back in and fixed something. Actually, something else broke on it. The car broke because oh, they, wow. didn't, they didn't do okay. a service. They didn't do a complete servicing on it. Um, so <laughs> they fixed that. They put gas in it. They cleaned it. Uh, and they gave me my spare key. And she said, I would really appreciate it if you um, can, you know, you don't have to take down the review, but maybe post a follow-up review saying what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. very genuine coming from a very good place. I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, she fixed everything. She made everything right for me. Uh, so I went online and rewrote the review and um, well, had real honest accounting of what happened. And it was fixed. Like they they had a, a bad review reversed by doing the right thing and owning up to it and getting it fixed. So I, I, that, I guess that's the, the quote unquote teachable moment here is if you want to do reputation management, there's it's not a whole lot of tricks anymore. It's it's more about, you know, these things are online. This is, you know, you, it's, it's not word of mouth anymore. Anybody can read it and it can totally screw up your business and people will not go there because people review everything before they make a purchase or before they go and work with a company. They review everything online. Like you don't want to waste your time. You don't want to get screwed. So if you have those reviews, yeah, it will absolutely damage you. So you're gonna have to address them head on and fix it. I mean, we always we always talk about having the humanity kind of you know emerge when when a, when a brand or a company does that when they're able to kind of engage in a conversation that was born out of a out of a bad review. And and you're right. Even beyond your experience, the fact that it went from a negative to a positive. Um, the fact that other people will read about it, you know, your first, you know, experience and then the update that has a ripple effect, you know, that goes throughout, you know, people will be able to understand, oh, wow, they really actually cared. Everyone messes, it turns into that, like everyone messes up, but they made it right and blah, blah, blah. We can all move forward to leave it out there, you know, let the bad review, you know, just exist without any kind of response makes it worse. It actually grows in its power and not only in maybe in the eyes of the owner of that company, but. And other people, because a non-response can kind of say almost as if they accept it or they're, they're saying subtly, yeah, you're right. We yeah. stink at that. We don't put gas in our cars. Uh, we could care less what you do. Um, you don't get a key either. You buy the car and you have no key. Good luck. Buy yeah. a screwdriver at the hardware store and maybe you can move, uh, maybe you can move the car. Um, <laughs> I think it's always positive when people, when people reach out and have that, that, that human moment. Well, it's either uh, when they don't respond, it's either an admission of guilt 
or mm-hmm. it's just neglect, uh, meaning they do, they're, they don't even oh, yeah. take the time to check their online reviews, you know? Right, um, right. This is interesting. That brings me another to another. The whole theme of today is going to be ethics. So we're going to be talking about a couple other articles, too, that come up. Um, however, there's um, something we talked about previously. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but there was a Google algorithm update that really slammed uh, Dr. Axe and a lot of these um, health. Yes. Yeah. yeah I remember <laughs> these, this. These yeah, health yeah. websites. Um, I read something recently where it turned out it was associated with reviews from the Better Business Bureau. So people go on and you can file claims against companies that, that wrong you, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, apparently part of the update had to do with associating websites with their reviews on the Better Business Bureau. And if you, you can look up Dr. Axe's Better Business Bureau reviews, they're not good. They do not paint a good picture of Dr. Axe. He's not the... Huh. Yeah, that the loving, uh, you know, next door neighbor, fairly handsome middle aged guy that you think is going to give you nice uh, herbal supplements. Um, that's not the case, and I, I think um, it's, it came from an unexpected place. I don't think people expected Google to go through that channel uh, to value a website. So this, this seems to be a very new, uh, a very new tactic that Google's using and building into their uh, their algorithm and their their rankings. So. I mean, it kind of, I'll be honest, it kind of makes sense. I mean, my, my parents instilled in me about, you know, the Better Business Bureau and how in their eyes it felt more legit than anything else. If you're going to do anything, hey, what is their rating on the, on the, on the BBB or whatever? Um, if you were going to choose something, I, w- I guess I would rather them choose that than Yelp, you know, or any yeah. other thing where people leave reviews. You know, it does seem like it's a little bit more of a, uh, of a you know, authoritative source. Could you imagine if they used Yelp or Twitter as part of their <laughs> algorithm? <laughs> well, I waited 13 <laughs> seconds and my latte was extra foamy and <laughs> there's zero chai. I don't know what you put, what you put on the latte. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And how dare you play Paul Simon at seven in the morning? <laughs> the nerve. There is no need to Paul Simon <laughs> to play Paul Simon at seven in the morning. I told them the oh. previous day, Top Gun soundtracks only when I walk in and especially when I walk in, I got Paul Simon. That would be amazing if every time you ordered um, the Top Gun anthem just started at a coffee shop. <laughs> Five stars. You know, just send you on your way. Send you on your way. You don't even need the coffee at that point. You throw the coffee down on the ground, you're running right out the door. That's right. I I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to annihilate this day. I'm, I'm hopping on my 87 Ninja without a helmet. I'm going to go race some airplanes. <laughs> it's going to be a good day. Go play some volleyball, uh, maybe. Flex on the beach. <laughs> show up late to a date. Ask to use a shower. Yeah, okay, we, uh, we've veered wildly. we got to get out of here. But no, yeah, now, now I'm going to have to watch Top Gun and Gladiator later <laughs> on when I get home. Yeah. Um, also, who asked for a shower? But whatever. He's Maverick. <laughs> he does what he wants. Right. Um, last thing I'll say about this. When is Lifetime going to get in touch with you about your experience with the car? Because that sounded like a movie. You know, man buys car, man gets sad, then mad, and then suddenly man feels right in the world. Classic Lifetime plot that I think we all need to see set to, funny enough, Paul Simon. We need a Paul Simon soundtrack for this film. Comment on who is the A-list, now D-list actor that was starring in that Lifetime movie. <laughs> oh, <Paulie Shore>? man. <laughs> Holy sure, that's deep in the. Uh, that's wow. deep in the F list. Yeah, that's <laughs> deep, deep in the F. 
Uh, we'll have to think about that. That'll probably come to us later on in the show. So, uh, but with that, let's move on to uh, the number two. Here, now we're going to flip it a little bit. We're not talking about some dude yelling at the sky or Google. Um, we're going to talk about ethics. And basically, and this comes from an opinion piece uh, from Kara Swisher off of, I believe this is the New York Times. Um, the headline is, who will teach Silicon Valley to be ethical? Some think chief ethics officers could help technology companies navigate political and social questions. Um I think the idea of a chief ethics officer is the thing that we kind of want to touch upon and discuss. The idea of bringing in someone to almost give us the rules or kind of say this could work or this couldn't from an ethical point of view and how that could affect, you know, tech, advanced technology, tech companies, and, uh, and so on. Um, the CE, I mean, funny enough, it's not, I didn't even realize this now, but it's another CEO. So instead of an executive, it's an ethics so already you kind of have some problems there just in terms of naming this, that, but whatever. That's, you know, we can deal with perception as another point. Chief ethics officer, Jeff Baker, how do you, how do you feel? I am very saddened by the fact that we even need to have this conversation, that that, that role exists. Um, and it exists because so many people have screwed up so much that we've decided we need somebody to come in and say, you're a bad person for doing this without them figuring that out on their own. Like you need somebody employed full time to tell you when you're being a bad boy or a bad girl. Like that's not good. That's really, really not good. And and what does that say about Silicon Valley and about the fact that, uh, you know, these, these tech companies, they're not running themselves. This is, I know this is, uh, you know, we're getting into uncharted territories with a lot of technology and we're, uh, we're, we're playing with people's privacy um, in a way that's, never been done before. However, there should be a point where people stand back after they've created some new piece of technology or they're deciding to advertise or market to people in a new way and say, wait a minute, do I want this done to me? Is this something, the golden rule, you know, would you treat other people this way? Um, whether, regardless of whether you can, sure you can, but should you? So I, take issue with this. I think it's probably a good idea and I think it's necessary. I'm just sad about the fact that it is necessary. I mean, it's, it's hard enough to grasp. I mean, just take technology out of it. It's hard enough to grasp ethics in general. You know, just the idea, the basic idea of right and wrong. You know, who are we as a, as a, as a, as a human race? What are we supposed to do with each other? What do we owe each other, basically? Um, you add technology in there, though. I mean, keep in mind that we're not, it's not asking about like, should I give this person a pencil or should I stab them with this pencil? It's nothing like that. It's <laughs> technology of something that we don't know didn't, it didn't exist, you know, five minutes ago where we have to learn about this technology. We have to be taught it. We have to embrace it. And then we start deciding, Oh, is this good or bad? Because we're so enamored with this new thing. I mean, think about when cloud computing first emerged or even think about the first smartphone you had. You had no, we, I know I didn't. I didn't think about, hey, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I was like, what does this button do? Oh, I can, I can download an app that farts on my phone. That's amazing. I'm going to do this all the time. What app is That's that? That's all I cared about. It was, it was called iFart. It was oh. an app called iFart. I think I, it was off. I think I got it when I got the iPhone 4. I remember I, I was right laughing for days that this thing was real. <laughs> it might even still exist. It's a, it's a classic I'm it's gonna a, find out right now. It's a classic thing, man, where everyone just wants to hear fart noises. Go ahead. 
Leave it there. I, I think. I think there's a big difference, though. I, I think there's um, two different things. One, where you're starting to create technology, you're not really sure what it is, and it's it's kind of exciting, and you're not really sure. You have no idea what it is yet, so you don't know if it's going to get into an ethical uh, conflict or it's going to breach any sort of ethical grounds. Um, on the other hand, where you've got situations where you've got Facebook that has all of this information on people, mm-hmm. and they've got a very conscious, clear decision. Should I market this information or should I not market this information? That is not uh, an issue of technology going too fast. That is a very clear, do I want to make money off of people like this? Yes or no. And there needs to be somebody in the room that says, take less money because you guys are about to do something unethical. And that's what I'm getting to. It's like the very clear cut dry decisions where somebody has to say, refuse that money. Uh, it's it's kind of a sad thing that exists. Yeah, iFart exists, by the way. It's $2 now. That's amazing. I think it was $2 back then, too. Um, yeah. Well, they have a competitor so. now, though. Tap and fart. That's four stars. <laughs> it's free. It's free. <laughs> oh, I don't know why tap and fart's funnier than iFart, but um, iFart has longevity. <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a classic. So anyway, there's your free plug for iFart. Um, going back to the real, I love how we've actually weaved in farting into an ethical conversation <laughs> somehow uh i'm a little that's, lost that's completely that's completely on brand no i got it i got it no there were there's eight people that gave us a one-star review like what scenario would you think that the the farting app wasn't to your satisfaction if it wasn't real enough if you know you couldn't hear it and then oh, think, oh yeah that's a real fart no. That's not you the know, issue. If it's something like computerized. Oh, no, it's not. What is it? No, what he says uh, need to be able to send social farts to your friends. I want to text a, I want to text my friends a fart noise. I want them to open the text and a fart noise happens. I'll change my review when I can do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, reputation management. What do you do with that guy? <laughs> I think it's clear. You make that happen. I want to also send a <laughs> fart noise to you. And I actually want to be able to time it so it shows up at like three in the morning. You know, right when you're about to start your next gladiator marathon, <laughs> just to ruin it. Um, I'm uh, going to bring it back. I'm bringing bring it back. back. Thank so, you. Um, <laughs> but just talking about like the ethics and having an ethics officer, they also have to be kind of a futurist too, because when you wrap technology into this, yeah. it's less about un- understanding it, but then like understanding the potential. What could this do? What is this going to mean? For another society is this bringing up other ethical things that we never even considered you know when we first started talking about ethics i think that's the balancing act that's happening here and to be honest if there needs to be someone in the room to at least broach that subject or even bring it up or at least exist so people have it in the back of their minds i don't think it's the worst thing you know there are countless movies that tell us that technology that runs amok or that people when they run as fast as possible to do the thing will lead us to destruction. Welcome um, to Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's exactly, that is exactly where I was going. Because um, in that scene, they talk about like the ethics of it. Like you, you, your scientists considered, or they, they focus so much on trying to get this done, they never stop to ask if they should. Mm. You yeah. Know? And they're saying like, but no, they're all males. They're never going to procreate. No, life finds a way, man. Life finds a way. And then it's going to rip your head off, eat up your lawyer and poop out a car. <laughs> we've really kept it high brow here haven't we we absolutely did it's yeah tough. but you make you make good points here um the eth- chief ethical officer really uh 
it shouldn't just be somebody that sits there and says this is good and this is bad because somehow we've we've lost our moral compass it also needs to be somebody that's a futurist and they need to they need to understand uh, or at least use some sort of historical context some sort of historical patterns to see where this could possibly go and project uh into the future where uh all of these different paths could possibly go um i think the easiest example to point to is AI. Uh, you mm. need very, people very, very smart. And maybe chief ethical, ethical officers are people that know the specific product that a company is creating um, or they know the technology better than anybody else. Like, first off, they've got a great moral compass. Second off, they really, really know um, what it is that they're dealing with. Like, you would probably want a chief, um, like a premier a person that works with AI that understands AI to be the chief ethical officer for Google, maybe I don't know who's whoever's going to come up with uh, AI first. Probably Google, I'm assuming, or Tesla, yeah. uh, or boy Elon. Shout out to Elon, pour one out. Uh, <laughs> you know, probably needs somebody that really understands this stuff to be the chief ethical officer to make sure that you know uh, a race of uh, toasters doesn't create turn everybody into paper clips in five years. You know. I don't know how I came up with that analogy. <laughs> I'm assuming whoever that officer is, as long as they understand AI, all they have to do is just watch the Terminator movies and they should be yeah. fine. Maybe the Terminator movies are like one philosophical book. That should be enough in terms of qualifications to be able to handle that, that type of position. Is that your, yeah. is that your, <laughs> is that that's your it. stance? I yeah, just, that's yeah, all you need. I just, I just want some, some lady in there or some dude in there that says, turn it off at the right time. Turn it off at the right time. That's it. And that's what that's what we need for some of these tech companies. Like you need that you you need that uh, that woman at Facebook that's over in the corner when you see some a couple people furl their eyebrows over this new thing because you can tell that they're thinking about unleashing it on the world. And she just yells out of her office, turn it off. <laughs> Go home. That's what we need. <laughs> Honestly, I'm now imagining like a Catholic school teacher with a ruler. I went to Catholic school, so this is probably why the image is in my mind. I'm just Bad. slapping it on everyone's no. hands. Like, no! Stop it! <laughs> Stop it, idiot. This is bad. exactly what I imagined. And you know what? <laughs> then you go home and you do it on the dark net. You just make the thing anyway, and you, you unleash it on the underground. So uh, I guess we're all screwed. Every AI conversation sad. we have ends up with the end of the world. So, yeah, um, anyway, I'm glad we had a good highbrow conversation about ethics and, you know, where it could go. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the uh, the third thing. Let's see what topic we can ruin now. So this one, this one is half like interesting and also half like rage bait for you. Um, talking about influencers and basically, I, I sent this to you a couple weeks ago. I think no earlier this month about um, no, it was Reba. Friday. Jesus, it was Friday. It was, it was, Friday, it was really? last Friday. Jesus. I honestly thought you, this was. Did you way have a gladiator before. night too? You, I didn't have a gladiator night. I did not. Oh, I had well, maybe Saturday I did, but um, I didn't watch a movie anyway. Um, but anyway, this is a story that says Reebok is building an in-house influencer team. I sent it to you saying like this. This could be interesting because one, I know there's a hell of a lot to say about influencer marketing. What does it mean that Reebok is kind of going all in on this? How does influencer marketing kind of fit into an overall strategy, any strategy, you know, digital marketing or traditional marketing? Um, 
Jeff, I want to feel your take here, man. What do you, what do you, how do you feel about influencer marketing? <laughs> influencer marketing has a light side and a very, very dark side. So it, at its core, influencer marketing is you pay somebody that has influence and reach to promote something, whatever it is, uh, your product, uh, your brand, your idea, whatever. This is not a new idea. This goes all the way back to I don't know, the, the beginnings of, of marketing when you were getting celebrities to John Wayne mm-hmm. smoking a cigarette. That's influencer yeah. marketing. He's an influencer representing your brand. They, they paid for his influence. Flash forward, these things are still happening. However, they're moving into social media. So when you start to talk about influencer marketing, you're naturally going to get into conversations um, about social media. You're going to get talk. You're going to get talking about people that have large followings. Basically, they have a huge list of people um, that they can influence. Now, again, this can come from a, a very good place where people have have earned that influence naturally. They have, they're either an athlete, an all-star, amazing athlete, um, or they are, uh, you know, top in their field at, uh, whatever it is that they do. Um, you know, it could be, it could be in tech, could be, it could be a lawyer. It, it doesn't really matter. They are the best and they, companies will reach out to them because they know they're going to influence people in their sphere and they want them to send out their message. And they'll do it like on Instagram. They'll represent a brand. They'll, they'll pose with a, a Smirnoff bottle or Michael Phelps will pose with uh, in Speedos representing Speedo. Um, you get the idea. I'd say that's sure. fair game. Totally fair game. Right, Francis? I mean, somebody earned that influence. You pay them to represent your brand. Tiger Woods did Nike. Now he does. What does he do now? Uh, can't keep up. I was gonna say something crass, but I decided against it because um, he just won. He just won a new he tournament, did. so uh, <laughs> so he good did. for Tiger. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, influencers have earned well, in one sense, have earned an, an influence, an audience, basically, and they have reach. It's not also. It's not even the fact that they can influence. It's that they absolutely have, and there's proof. You know, they are able to have this audience somewhat follow them, not only on social media, but almost in their life. In a weird way, they've put on this uh, online persona that people appreciate, want to subscribe to, um, and say, yep, whatever this person does, I'm into it. They're listening to Yanni and drinking pineapple juice and, you know, walking on their hands all day. I'm going to be all about that. And I'm going to buy hand shoes because that's what I need when I walk on my hands all day. It's basically stuff like that. There's no hand shoes out there. No, there are no hand shoes. I knew you were going to go there, but there's not. It doesn't exist. Make it happen. Elon, make that happen, too, because when the tunnels, we probably need hand shoes. Um, probably. But with every, you know, positive, there's the, there's the darkness, man. I mean, there's also some influencers that have gained a massive following for seemingly maybe nothing. Maybe they have an online personality or they've done something via video or imagery or something that has maybe gone viral a couple million times and they can and they continue to do that that has now garnered an audience and i think it turns into not so much of like i really want to follow this person's lifestyle it kind of turns into more kind of i want to know what they're going to do next you know it turns into something that's more audience versus like spectacle and the audience wants to know hey what is this person going to do online and i want to follow them because i want to see it it is absolutely rampant too 
these, I, I would call them fake influencers, really. And they've at the complete opposite of what I described earlier, where somebody naturally gains an audience through their accomplishments. The other side are people that are fake influencers, um, and they have gained an audience either by buying them. Very, very easy to buy a huge network and then take a couple pictures of yourself posing with a Smirnoff bottle. You weren't actually paid to pose with that Smirnoff bottle, but you make it seem like you were. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're an Instagram personality with 100,000 followers and it looks like you've been paid by Smirnoff. And then what influencer marketing means now is you basically pay this person money to represent your brand. They don't care about your brand. They're not interested in, their brand, in your brand. They haven't actually done anything of value. Uh, they're just a huge email list, basically. And that may be a fake email list or a real email list. Uh, and what I mean by that, an email list, basically, you're just paying for their audience. You're just paying for their group of people that they supposedly have influence over in their account, but they probably don't. And there's there's tons and tons of these. Here's actually, um, have you ever heard of, uh, she was called cocaine babe? I want to say yes, but I don't, I, I feel like I've heard that term, but maybe it's just in passing or in Twitter or whatever. Who was cocaine babe? Okay. So this was a, a Canadian native and she was convicted. She was convicted of uh, importing drugs, $21 million worth of cocaine. Uh, when she accepted a free trip on the Sea Princess, a luxury cruise liner uh, that was going to go all through Colombia, Peru, New Zealand, Australia, um, everywhere. And okay. it was just for the purpose of, um, well, basically, she was like trying to, it says, the judge criticized Robert, saying she was motivated to go on the cruise by the idea of posting Instagram photos in exotic locations. And said, judge says, this is a sad indictment on her relative age group in our society when they seek to attain such a vacuous existence where how many likes they receive is their currency. So basically, she was paid to model and go around uh, all over the place. And she smuggled a whole bunch of cocaine, tons of cocaine, and got got caught. Um, so that's... I, I've got so many moral ethical issues with this um, and that obviously like smuggling that much drugs is, is not a good thing. Um, however, getting paid to do this kind of thing when you're when you're really not an influencer, you're not you're, you haven't done anything. You haven't achieved anything. And you're um, you know, you're just building an audience of of fake people that I don't know. I'm, I'm getting spun up in my own yeah you're, you're getting passion. riled up and i, I i'm also i'm pretty sure you just googled um influencer and drugs just to see what the first thing was going to find that, that, that was going to pop up um, was it? no 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 i, I found it no no no. No. no no it's cool don't it's okay. fine right. it's All fine right. it's okay let's just take oh, that on, breath hold take hold that on, breath while, while i'm taking a breath hold on there's uh uh another <laughs> something something just happened recently um yeah. <laughs> this is about okay. your car again is there another car story i can't take two car stories in one podcast Insta instagram influencer <laughs> attacked by sharks in the bahamas so this this person was uh filming themselves surrounded by sharks in the bahamas this is also an influencer um and got attacked by one okay so what i was gonna say though you keep you keep saying you know they're not an influencer they didn't do anything they didn't gain it or they didn't 
you know, uh, achieve this, this massive following by doing anything genuine or, or, or substantial. The thing is, in general, just in general, screw what, what, whatever, how they got there, they still have an audience. And when we talk about audience, we're talking about like millions, man, like eight, 10, even like 17 million people follow this one Instagram account. Mm-hmm. You know, by all like measure, this person is an influencer for better or for worse by the pure fact that the audience is there. Even if you, you take, the fact, uh, take into account that maybe 20% of it's bots, you know, it's still a massive amount of people. Um, they're influencing something or people, they have the attention. And no matter where you look, um, way back in the day, even before the internet, before magazines, attention was always the biggest thing. Um, when newspapers were first out, this one guy started the penny newspaper Sold everything for a penny, took a loss in terms of a profit. But because it was so cheap, everyone in that city bought the penny newspaper. And because everyone (laughs) bought that paper, ads started flowing in. And he had the attention of that city wrapped up and then made a profit based on that attention. Hmm. It hasn't changed. We still have people who do that. I mean, not the penny, but the idea of gaining all that attention. And then they're monetizing it. You know, I... I get it. I'm not. I'm not saying I agree, but this goes kind of. It goes all the way back to ethics, man. Like this was a new technology. No one. No one would have even considered Instagram. This app could suddenly born influencer marketing. You know the fact that people would get paid to take pictures of themselves or beautiful places with a product or something that suddenly they can make a living off of. I mean, I can't even consider how that could have even been predicted. You know, and it can't. I think you'd have to. You would have had to react to it. Um, for better or for worse, they're influencers. Now, how they influence, you know, is it a is it a positive thing or a negative thing? More importantly, does it actually help business? Is there an ROI to influencer marketing? I mean, I think people all know what it is, and it's always fun or interesting when you sudden when your product or whatever is on an Instagram influencer's uh, feed. But does it work? You know, is there any proof that this thing works? I think the part of the problem is, and your point is taken, you're paying for an audience, you should get an audience. I mean, everybody, when it comes down to it, everything in marketing comes around getting, comes around to getting your product in front of as many eyeballs as possible. So if somebody has a lot of eyeballs to offer, then sure, that's fair. That's fair market, right? You should be able to do that. However, uh, how they got those, I think is really the question here, ethically, morally, how they got those. Because otherwise, it just feels really, really dirty because you hear the name influencer marketing and you think, oh, good, marketing with influencers. No, you're just bribing them to promote your, yeah, you're just handing them money. It's it's always an exchange of some sort of favor, like a money or, or something um, so that you can get uh, your product in front of more people. It just feels kind of dirty when you call it that. I feel like it almost should be like, bribery marketing or like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, it sits with me in a bad way, uh, especially knowing that a lot of these quote unquote influencers really aren't, you know? Um, and there's ways to tell, uh, there's, there's tools out there that you can look at and maybe we'll, we'll send them out in the show notes, but there's, there's ways to tell if you're working with an influencer, that's not really an influencer that's, um, purchasing and they've got a lot of bots and stuff. It just, it feels dirty. man. It feels ugly. Um, I don't like it. I, th- I think what eats you up the most kind of goes back to that idea of being able to separate genuine and, um, and not, 
basically you want to know who this audience is, who is following this person. More importantly, where are they? Are they all in Canada? Are they everywhere? What demographic are they? If you're going to want to have this influencer marketer, you know, put out any kind of thing on your product, you want to make sure it gets to the right audience, but you have no idea who they have, unless you kind of go through every single one or whatever. Although I'm sure there's a program that will at least tell you, but I think that's your biggest thing. You, you actually, I think what you really want is a rating. You want an influencer marketer rating, maybe by the, by the Better Business Bureau to let us know if their audience is legit. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, are you paying for what you're getting, what they're, what they're advertising to you? Is this real? Um, and also what have they done to earn that? Is it just, is it just somebody that's, um, I don't know, uh, posting, they happen to post, uh, really beautiful pictures of, uh, tourist locations all over the place. And this, this is really, really big. Uh, I'm glad this came up because this is really big in, uh, travel tourism, like travel blogs and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. we've got a friend that used to work with us who became a travel blogger and she told me how uh, horrific this group of people are, is and how fake they are with everything that they do. Their travel blogs are not genuine in any sense. They're just, they're just basically revenue generators, revenue generators for affiliate marketing. So they try to build up these giant fake lists of people and pump up their name as hard as they can and then get affiliates to ask them to represent their brand, a camelback or something like that, you know, something that you would North Face, stuff that you would travel with. And then they just basically want to get paid for representing different brands and stuff. And it doesn't come from, she tells me that it does not come from a place of joy. It doesn't come from a place of enjoying uh, travel or wanting to help people with travel it comes with a place of like trying to pump up your numbers as hard and fast as you can and make money off of it. And it just, it's, it's kind of, uh, ethically, we're getting back to ethics, ethics mm. this is ethically questionable. I think again, why you feel it's dirty is because it's getting wrapped up into something that was meant to be genuine and personal. You know, no one, no one is saying that of an, of a TV commercial or an ad you see in a magazine or newspaper. It's pretty damn obvious what that is the yeah. fact that this is wrapped up into something that when it was born was like hey this is going to connect people this is a way to follow different types of people around the world um you can follow old friends or family or whatever it was made from that and now it has kind of been warped or parts of it have been warped into this and i think that's what you're rebelling against that's what that's what you don't like you know the fact that it's it, it looks like it's genuine and you're realizing maybe it's not, it's not. And then suddenly that it's that facade uh, the fa that that thing is broken, and it's not it's not this thing that brings people together. It's turned into another thing that sells stuff. Yeah, and I think that's what you hate. Yeah, I think you, uh, Doctor Freud, did that one pretty well. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, good. good. Yeah, no problem. No problem, Mav. I'll always be your wingman, except I'm not because I'm dead. All <laughs> oh. the tears now for Goose. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's no amount of influencer marketing that's going to help us uh, with that with that death. Oh well, Gun. the Top Gun Two is is coming back. Somebody sent me the trailer for it. I refuse no, to watch it though. It's a fake trailer. It doesn't. There's no way there's a trailer. They just started talking about the cast, man. I don't even think. There's no way they even have any footage done. You know how long video production works. There's no way that's, that's even close. <laughs> article I just looked up. It says Hans Zimmer to score Top Gun 2. Ooh, babe. That's good. <laughs> I will believe it when I hear and more importantly, see it. Um, but for now, 
I am not going to think everything online is real, and neither should you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's that's fair. Do you think Val Kilmer's <laughs> going to fit in the cockpit? No, I don't. I think he's going to be in the <laughs> tower getting buzzed constantly. <laughs> Both by planes and by the coffee, or what should be coffee, but it's really something else. That's nice. Um, <laughs> on that butts. note on that note thank you all for listening to Above the Fold we appreciate it as always um, and until next time it's Jeff and Francis see you guys see ya see ya